If you've downloaded this show, I know you love horses. If you're lucky, they have touched your life in a special way. Horses have an almost mystical power to enrich our lives. Therapeutic riding exposes those who might not normally have access to horses to their incredible healing power. Dennis Duker is a conduit for that healing power. In Payson, Arizona, the Duker Ranch offers hippotherapy to special needs children and vets in Northern Arizona. And because he doesn't want any in need to go without, he provides the therapy absolutely free. Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare. My guest on today's show is Dennis Duker. Along with his wife, Kathy, Dennis runs the Duker Ranch Horse Therapy Center, helping to create miracles through horses. I connected with Dennis through Skype to tell us about his life with horses. Hi, Dennis. Welcome to the Woe Podcast. You're relatively new to the horse therapy side of things. I understand Duker Ranch came along as almost a second career. What was your first career? I worked 30 years for GM at a proving ground where we tested cars. We did a lot of hot weather testing because we were in the Phoenix area. And um, it was a really, really fun job. I got to work with uh, Dan Rather, and the other big name was Jay Leno. So, uh, yeah, one of the things I did, I was kind of the liaison for film work at the Proving Grounds. So it was a great, great occupation. I started out driving high-speed test cars and ended up being a plant engineer after 30 years. So it was a fantastic career. Dennis, you were still relatively young, I understand. What did you do next? Yeah, it's interesting because um, that was retired in 08, right when the recession was coming and uh, ended up looking for employment because I didn't want to, you know, I was only 50 years old when I retired from GM. So lo and behold, Orange County called me up and uh, went out there for a job interview and ended up being a park ranger out of Newport Beach for Orange County Parks. And uh I grew up in Yorba Linda, which is North Orange County. So it was kind of a good fit. And my wife, she spent some time in Carlsbad when she was in high school. So she was a surfer. So it was a, it was a good matchup to go to California and work for Orange County Parks for about four years. You know, our biggest problem was we had, at that time, we had two Clydesdales. And then we picked up a Belgian and a Mini while we were there. And horse property in Southern California is just through the roof. And uh, so it was one of the things, having horses in Southern California wasn't real cost effective. And our parents were getting older, so we made a move back to Arizona at that point and um, ended up in Payson, which is in the center part of Arizona. And uh, elevations just over 5,000 feet. So we get to enjoy the four seasons. We get a little snow every now and then. And uh, your summer temperatures usually don't hit the triple digits. So... It's a good place to live. We're, we're enjoying it up there. How did you get involved in therapeutic riding? The horse community in Southern California is fairly small. And a friend of ours named Jim Tice had a riding facility um, up in Yorba Linda. And uh, he also did horse transport. And so we kind of leaned on him every now and then to get the Clydesdales around to special functions that we would take them to around Orange County. Then one day Jim called me up on the phone and he said, Hey, I need a favor. And I said, you know, okay, what's up, Jim? And he said, well, I got a guy with a doctorate's degree that wants to start doing therapeutic riding over at our facility. 
and he needs volunteers. So I'm looking for somebody to come over and volunteer with this guy. And the funny thing is, is at that time, I told Jim, I said, you know, uh, pony rides for handicapped kids is kind of a bunch of a hooey. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is I owe you, so I'll be there. So that first Saturday, I went over and helped out with uh, therapeutic riding for a brother and sister that were, I don't know, I think they were probably eight and six years old. And it was interesting. It kind of uh, sparked an interest in me. So I went back the next Saturday and then started volunteering on Wednesday afternoons after work and then on Saturdays. And I saw a lot of different children with a lot of different issues. And the thing that was interesting is they were all benefiting from therapeutic riding with the horses. And um, continued to volunteer there for, I don't know, close to a year. But then you found yourself in Arizona. Well, what happened next? And like I said, I got hooked on it in California, couldn't find a place to volunteer. And so I told the wife at the time, I said, you know, we need to start a center up here in Payson for the kids up in Payson. So um, I found a PATH center, and that's the organization that we went to for training, which is PATH International. They're out of Colorado. And it's one of the things I would tell anybody, if you want to learn more about therapeutic riding, they're like the leader in the entire world for um, therapeutic riding. So if you go to PATH International, uh, you look that up on the internet, you'll hit their website and just lots of information about therapeutic riding. But they're the folks that uh, had the program out in California that I started with. And then I spent two years going down to Phoenix, driving down from uh, Payson every Saturday and then every Wednesday after work to go down and work with the instructors um, down in Phoenix at the PATH Center. And that was known as Horses Help. They're in an area of Phoenix called Cave Creek. And that's another thing that uh, your listeners can look up is Horses Help. And um, they're a premier accredited facility with PATH. And they've got to jump through a lot of hoops to get that accreditation. But they are one of the premier spots in the state. And uh, so I went there for training and um, to be able to, to learn how to do therapeutic riding properly. And one of the biggest things with um, therapeutic riding, especially a PATH uh, train center, is the fact that safety is number one. So you learn how to handle the horses, you learn what kind of specialized attack uh, you need to do uh, special needs riding, um, you learn how to work with the volunteer staff, um, just everything you need to learn, you can get at a PATH center. And, and they also hold workshops uh, periodically at these centers, the larger ones. And uh, so you can go to these workshops, which are just fantastic um, to give you the information you need if you're interested in starting a therapeutic riding program. I understand you use draft horses at Duca Ranch. Is that because they were what you had? Well, you know, draft horses generally are cold-blooded, and because of that, their temperaments really lend themselves well to therapeutic riding. And when we moved to Payson, we had uh, two Clydesdales and a miniature horse. And uh, so that's been about five years ago. And the work that I did down in Phoenix, um, they had a halflinger down there named Dean. 
And Dean was like the go-to horse for the program they had down in Phoenix. I, they've got probably, I don't know, 16 horses. But Dean was used a lot in the lessons from beginners all the way to uh, kids that were more advanced. And I, I really fell in love with this little bitty horse. Um, a halflinger is, is a draft breed considered a small draft. And they come out of the Alps of Italy over in Europe, and they're basically were bred to be mountain ponies. And so they're stout little guys with good bone, and they've just got the most wonderful temperament. And so after working with this halflinger down in Phoenix for two years, you know, I realized that we couldn't just do therapeutic riding for kids on Clydesdales. They're a little tall. So I put out the word that I was looking for halflingers. And lo and behold, a, a friend of ours got a hold of me one day and said that there was a lady up in the northeast part of Arizona that had two little halflingers that she wouldn't mind donating to us. Now, therapeutic riding has been around for a while, right? Yeah, and, you know, therapeutic riding got started, oh my gosh, over 100 years ago. May have even been longer than that in Europe. And uh, the very first case that they had was somebody with cerebral palsy. And I, obviously there was somebody in the hospital that was a horseman that realized how much core strength it took to balance on a horse. So that's kind of where therapeutic riding got its start. Dennis, how does therapeutic riding differ from other therapies? Therapeutic riding is a little different in that you strive to have that child ride once a week at least as a minimum. And so you develop a lesson plan every week for them to do something different. And you build upon that lesson week after week. And that's where you see your results with the children in therapeutic writing is um, they actually physically get stronger. Um, emotionally, it's amazing. The self-confidence um, goes through the roof on these kids. And like I said, we're talking about special needs kids. And so a lot of times they don't feel really good about themselves. Um, they know they're different. And um, but yet when they come and ride horses, all of a sudden they're doing something that their classmates aren't. And uh, one of the things we do at the end of every class is I, I ask the kids, how many of you have friends that ride horses? And, and they really don't. They're special. They're doing something right. unusual. And so, like I said, the, the self-confidence uh, just goes through the roof. And that's, that's one of the big things with therapeutic riding that is really, really special for these kids. Do you think therapeutic riding works better for some kids? What makes therapeutic horse riding work is that if you've got a child with cerebral palsy, they basically go to a clinical setting and they do exercises. And if they're doing therapeutic horse riding, they don't go to a therapeutic area with people in white coats and clipboards. They come out to a ranch and they get to ride a horse for an hour every week and they get to see themselves improving. So I always tell people, if you have a child and they have their choice between going and talking to doctors or coming out and riding horses, they're going to pick that riding horses every time. How do people stay in touch with you? People that are listening to this want to learn more about us and see some of the horses. You can go to DukeRanchHorseTherapy.com, and we have pictures of quite a few of the horses. And then we also try to keep track of Facebook. So you can go to Duca Ranch Therapeutic Riding Center on Facebook, 
And you can actually see what therapeutic riding looks like with the volunteers and, and the different horses. Your halflingers are special. Did they come to you trained? When we got them, they were four-year-old stallions. And uh, so the first thing we did is had the vet come out and uh, do the appropriate surgery so that they would uh, look at the world a little bit differently. And then as time went on, my wife, Kathy, she's the one who basically breaks the horses out and trains and started working with these two. And uh, they've actually turned out to be great horses. We've got one of them that works in the program with us on a regular basis. The other one still needs some more training. But uh, my wife, she's quite a horsewoman. Um, we're big fans of Buck Branahan with his gentle horsemanship techniques. And that lends itself real well to therapeutic horses because you want a horse that basically trusts you, that isn't afraid or skittish and doesn't spook. And so um, she breaks the horses out following uh, Buck's methods. Do you have a special horse? One of the things I like to do is I always like to make the lessons have a fun activity because it's a lot more enjoyable to learn if you're having fun. So we usually have like a, a game activity or something. And so one year we were coming up on Halloween and I went down and bought 10 greeting cards at the dollar store that were Halloween type greeting cards. And then I bought another 10, so I had a, a duplicates. And I went around the arena and we have um, like 55 gallon plastic blue barrels that we use in the arena. And I would put three or four cards on each of the barrels, and then I would put the other cards, the duplicates, into a bucket. So what the lesson was that day with the children was they were to come pick out a card and then ride their horse around the arena from blue barrel to blue barrel and looking at the cards on top of the barrel to find the matching card that they had picked out of the bucket. And so... What happened this one day is the little girl that was taking the lesson, she said to me after she picked a card out and looked at it, she said, well, show it to Autumn. Let Autumn see the card. So I held the card in front of Autumn's nose, and Autumn looked at it, and she, she touched it with her nose. And then the child gave the command, walk on, where the horse leader took the child to start going around the arena. And Autumn walked up to the first barrel and stopped and looked at everything. And the child, you know, looked at the cards and said, well, my matching card isn't there. So they went ahead and said, walk on. And the horse went to the second barrel and stopped. And the child looked at the barrel and didn't see the matching card. So she gave the command once again, walk on. And the horse walked to the third barrel. And when Autumn the horse got to the third barrel, she immediately took her nose and put it on the matching card that the child had taken <laughs> out of the bucket. And needless to say, me and the volunteers were kind of like amazed and kind of almost spooky. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is weird. And, and we all just laughed and said, wow, what a coincidence. So the next time we went back and we got another card out of the bucket and we did the same thing. And Autumn put her nose on the matching card again. And so that day, she was 9 out of 10. She probably would have gone 10 out of 10, except for the fact that uh, we didn't show her the first card. So it sounds like Autumn is not only therapeutic, but psychic to boot. So the follow-up of this story is, is we had Thanksgiving rolling around about four weeks later. And so the game that I chose for that lesson was similar to the card game, 
But instead, what we did is we went to the grocery store and we bought things that you would have for Thanksgiving dinner, like a, a box of, um, you know, instant mashed potatoes and a box of stuffing and a can of green beans and a can of cranberries and some rolls and, you know, just objects that you might see at Thanksgiving. So we started doing the exercise or the game with the child and the horse. And one of the volunteers said, well, show Autumn the box of stuffing. So we did. And Autumn went out, and when she got to the barrel, she put her nose on the box of stuffing and pushed it off the barrel. And once again that day, she was 9 out of 10. The only thing that she had issues with was a clear bottle of drinking water. She had trouble picking that one out. But she's a very special horse. Wow. It sounds like your horses are really in tune with the riders. The other thing that I love about our horses, and they all do this, is because they're gentle broke, um, basically they realize the rider's ability. And if they feel like the rider is off balance or there's an issue, the horses will stop. And they'll wait for us to either straighten up um, the rider or check a cinch or whatever it may be. What kind of improvement do you see in these kids? Our goal with with all of our riders is to get them independent riding in, in the arena. And basically that is, is that as the process goes along and the child gets better with their horsemanship skills, we'll take away like the sidewalker. So we'll have a horse leader with a lead rope and then we'll have a coach on the one side of the child. And as the child's balance gets better, We'll go ahead and take away the coach. So now the child's riding in the saddle, practicing the reining with just a lead walker hanging onto a lead rope. And then as the child progresses from there, uh, ultimately we'll tie the lead rope off and the child will be independently riding the horse. And so as we go through this process, one of the things we do is we go from the horse walking to a trot. And it's probably one of the more difficult things that we do as a transition with the children and the horses because we want the child to be able to experience what a trot feels like. And we normally introduce that when we still have the sidewalkers and the coach and the horse leader. And so the horse is realizing that this rider is not able to hold a trot position or to ride a trot, but yet we're asking the horse to trot. And so it's always interesting. These horses are thinking, you know, I don't think we should trot yet, but yet we have our full volunteer staff there balancing the child in the saddle. We want that child to experience that trot. And it's always interesting because you really got to work with the horses to convince them that it's okay for them to trot with this rider that maybe doesn't have their balance just spot on. Do you have one rider you can tell us about? We had two riders with cerebral palsy that were riding with us. Both of them were young. One was four and one was five when they started riding with us. The one little boy has moved to Indiana and his mother promised to continue doing therapeutic riding with him. But um, this little guy, when we first met him, he was like 65 pounds and he had trouble balancing and walking and, and he would kind of swing his legs instead of bending his knees to walk. And um, one of the things we do with our new riders is we introduce them to the horses. And so he walked up to my biggest horse the first day when we were doing horse introduction. 
and it's our Belgian gelding, and he's uh, 19 hands. He's a big, big boy, probably goes about 2,200 pounds. So this little boy looked up and said, this is the horse I want to ride. And at that point, I assured him that maybe someday we'd ride him, but right now we were going to start on Autumn the Halflinger. So after about three, four weeks, this little boy had such great heart, and he loved horses so much that every day he would ask when he could ride Rex the Belgian. So I think it was after about a month we decided to do something special. And so we put a pad on Rex the Belgian, and I asked my volunteer staff, would they be comfortable letting this little boy ride the Belgian? Because at this point, my volunteers are not hanging on to the little boy's cuff of his pants down by their waist. They're now reaching above their shoulder to hang this little boy's uh, pant leg. The other thing, too, is Rex the Belgian, 20 years old. He spent his entire life in Yosemite, California, pulling uh, wagons for tourists. So this horse is, is one of the best horses I've got on property. He's such a good old horse. So we put the young man up on him, and uh, he rode this giant Belgian horse for, I don't know, the next six months. Every week he would come out and, and ride this horse. Is therapeutic riding something doctors recommend? And it's interesting because when you work with these children week in and week out, you miss the subtle improvements that they have. And so it was really interesting one day when mom came and, and brought him for her riding lesson, and she had her six-month checkup for her son with cerebral palsy. And so when they went to see the doctor, this little boy didn't, kind of, you know, hobble into the doctor's office. He actually ran into the doctor's office and gave the doctor a hug. And needless to say, the doctor was amazed. And she's like, you know, what's going on here? She said, um, what are you doing with your son? I've never seen a child with his stage of cerebral palsy have such an improvement over such a short period of time. And she said, well, we're doing therapeutic riding at the Duca Ranch. And so the doctor said, tell me more about this. And so she sat down and shared her riding experiences that her and her son were having out with us every week. And the doctor said, you know, whatever you do, continue to do it. She goes, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And it's one of those things that, you know, anybody who's ridden a horse realizes that if you ride an extended period of time, you can really those muscles in your thighs in, in your core, in your lower stomach, in your lower back. And that's the magic of horse therapy when it comes to cerebral palsy. Dennis, is there one rider that sticks out in your mind that made the most dramatic transformation around your horses? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And, and the answer may surprise you, but we have families that come out all the time on weekends to visit the horses because, like I said, we got Belgians and Clydesdales and Halflingers and Minis. We got an interesting mix. So I got a call one time from a lady that I had met, and her granddaughter was coming up with her grandson. Oh, actually, it was it was her granddaughter and her daughter. Let me get the story straight. So the granddaughter came up and we put her on Autumn and she'd never been on a horse before. And we taught her how to ride Autumn that day in about an hour. And the thing that I kept noticing was her mother didn't want to interact with the horses. 
and her mother was very quiet and stood back. And, and you know, when we asked the, the family to come up and interact with the horse, mom stood in the background and was very quiet. So after we taught the granddaughter how to ride for that hour, I, I looked to mom and I said, you know, I noticed that you don't like horses. And she goes, well, I like horses. I'm just scared to death of horses. When I was like five years old, I was riding a horse and it took off and I fell off and hurt myself. And I said to her, I said, would you like to try to ride a horse today? And she thought for probably a good minute or so, and she said, I'd like to get over my fear of horses. So we brought her in and we had her first go and brush the horse down. And then we actually had her put a leg up and saddle into the saddle. And we spent about an hour with mom. And I mean, I've never seen a human being so afraid of anything. This this mom, who was probably, I'm guessing, 28 years old, was just petrified. But after that hour on Autumn the Halflinger, she was, she was just so comfortable. And she thanked us over and over and over again for helping us get her over her fear of horses. So it, it wasn't a child. It was actually a mom that I'd seen the biggest change um, actually with a horse. It was amazing. I've heard a lot of veterans with PTSD can be helped with therapeutic riding. Do you help veterans too? Well, the yeah, the toughest thing with veterans is is that uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD, has got a stigma in society. And we have offered our services um, to a lot of different groups. And we have had three veterans come out to look at our program. And one of the problems there is, is, is that I think these men, if they decide to go into a writing program, that the stigma that's attached to them being out in the open where other people can see them participating in a writing program that is for PTSD is something that they don't want folks to know. Most, most of these guys that have PTSD want to keep it a secret. And, you know, there's kind of a good reason for it. In our society, we've got a stigma with that condition that may keep a guy from getting hired for a job that he's totally capable of doing. Um, well, it must be rewarding to see these types of results. And I bet you have a great group of volunteers. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. I I love quotes. You know, and there's a gentleman named John Wooden, who was a, a fairly well-known basketball coach in college basketball, UCLA, actually. And um, his quote that he would tell his players is, a perfect day is a day where you can help somebody who can't repay you. And that's one of those things that that we find so so gratifying about the therapeutic writing with the special needs community is you actually do see that you're making a difference in these people's lives and their families' lives. And um, the fact that we do it for free, you know, makes sure that these people can continue to ride even if financially things get tough for them. Um, I saw something the other day, I was reading up on autism on the internet, and there was a parent that had a quote that said the hardest thing about being a parent of an autistic child is realizing there's a therapy out there that can help your child, but you can't afford it. And so that's one of the things that we cross over that bridge by doing our, our, our therapeutic writing for free for the families. 
Uh, we don't want to see anybody that can benefit from therapeutic riding to, to do without it because of a financial issue. So it is rewarding. We have about 40 volunteers that work with us on a weekly basis. And they're between the ages of 60 and 80. So they're retired people that have some time on their hands. And they come out, and I've been told time and time again that it's their therapy every week to come out and work with the horses and the kids because they feel so good after spending an hour out at the ranch working with these children and the horses that it is just the highlight of their week. So that's another interesting aspect of therapeutic riding. It, it not only is beneficial for the kids and the families, but for the volunteers that come out and help out too. So it's, it's pretty much the closest thing I can find to a win-win on, on planet Earth. I understand the Duca Ranch is a 501c3 organization and you rely on others to help fund your operating costs. And I hear you have a GoFundMe page too. Yeah, GoFundMe.com slash Duca Ranch. And the other thing else, if anybody's listening in the state of Arizona, we're very happy that we were just selected by the state of Arizona to actually offer tax credits, dollar for dollar tax credits. And it's $400 uh, per individual, 800 per couple. But what that means is if you live in the state of Arizona and you have any kind of Arizona tax liability when you do your taxes, you can go ahead and ask for Duker Ranch to benefit from that. And basically, if you're a couple under 800 bucks, you can donate that money to us and that will wipe out your Arizona tax bill making a donation to us. So it's we're one of the few organizations that has been selected and it's because of our work with special needs children. So um, we're pretty happy. That just happened last week. Thanks for joining us on the show, Dennis. It was great to talk to you, and I wish you all the best at Duker Ranch in Arizona. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to you sometime down the road. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Dennis Duker and the gang over at the Duker Ranch. To learn more about the good things going on at the Duker Ranch, please visit wolpodcast.com. I'll have all their links in the show notes. If you know someone you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a line. Or if you have thoughts on not only this episode, but the show in general, it's easy to contact me. Send your comments or suggestions to john at woepodcast.com. I love hearing from you. Renee and I are going to be in the Austin, Texas area in late March. If you have any suggestions on places to visit, ranches to see, shoot me an email. We're really going for the food and music. We hear both are great. I'd love to hear about your favorite places. For more about our show and the other things we do, visit woepodcast.com. Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship has four years of episodes you can find on not only iTunes, but Stitcher and Google Plus and everywhere else podcasts are listed. You'll also find a link to our YouTube channel where we have a basket full of videos sharing our life and learning about horses. Thanks again for listening to the show and sharing this podcast with your riding buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.